Thank goodness it's Friday. This month, our episode is brought to you by the Travel Bug Hotel. Travel bugs love to, well, travel, and sometimes they want to visit some quality digs. Whether they're traveling dog tags or traveling geocoins, a Travel Bug Hotel is a geocache that's specifically set up to host a larger number of traveling items. The best ones are even locked for safety to give some assurance that the items, especially coins, won't go wandering off in the hands of thieves. Find a TB hotel with many favorite points and you've probably found a quality geocache. This is TGIF Geocaching Radio, a podcast with a monthly dose of geocaching news and adventure, contests and hot topics, and highlighting the many experiences that may await you. And I'm Jeff, with a G, so stay tuned and let's hang out. Welcome, welcome. I hope you're having a fantastic geo summer. That is a thing, right? <laughs> it's been yet another busy summer month over here. I haven't had much opportunity for geocaching, more than one or two each day, trying to qualify for those streak challenge souvenirs. Sadly, not only have any major trips been cancelled or postponed, but the big hard souvenir won't be falling in my lap this time, as the month was split down the middle by a camping trip with no chance of making a find for a couple of days. Well, you can't earn them all. <laughs> but this has given more time to direct towards a brand new Geocoin project I'm launching with a crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo. There have been a number of posts sharing links to the campaign for more details, and I'll talk about that a little later in this episode. But coming up, we've got some deep thoughts about how we use that hint feature, some adventurous geocache highlights, fun stories from geocachers, another artificial geocaching adventure, contests, some heartbreaking and heart-filling news, another cachely tip, and more. Now let's dive in to review what's happened this month officially in geocaching from HQ. At the end of June, Geocaching HQ once again spun the wheel, the wheel of challenges. <laughs> and that wheel ended up giving us another souvenir challenge for streaking, finding caches on consecutive days throughout the month. And once again, there was an easy, medium, and hard souvenir where easy was finding caches on two consecutive days, and then followed by seven consecutive days, and of course the hard being 28 consecutive days of smileys. That includes any type of geocache, including adventure labs, and so we've got until August 6th to try to earn that 28-day streak. So if you're still going strong, don't give up. You've still got a few days left as of this podcast. And HQ has just released the next challenge on the wheel, the Iconic Cacher. From August 7th through September 3rd, find as many cache types as you can. The easy souvenir is awarded by logging as found, a traditional cache, an adventure location, and attending an event. The hard souvenir, though, might require some planning. You'll also need to log a virtual cache, an earth cache, a multi-cache, a mystery cache, and a letterbox hybrid. And of course, there's a checker to track your progress, care of our intrepid Project GC Souvenir Stats Checker scriptwriter, Hugh, linked in the episode notes. But the good news is you've got a whole month to find at least one of each. Think you can do it all in one day? <laughs> the final challenge will be announced on August 29th. 
The Geocaching International Film Festival is coming back to us again in November, and the deadline for submitting new films is August 3rd. It's coming up quick, so if you are working on a film for the GIF event in November, then you'd better get that finished and submitted. You can submit your information at geocachingfilmfestival.com slash submit. And once all the films are submitted, the finalists for the GIF events will be announced on September 5th. So look forward to all of the GIF events that we'll be publishing very shortly for November, because they're always a load of fun. I've hosted a few over the years, and it's just great to be able to bring the community together, have some kind of theme, and sit down in a theater or wherever the video may be uh, played and just enjoy a whole bunch of geocaching camaraderie and the creativity of all of these video and film creators. Lots of entertainment, and it's worth attending. And speaking of geocaching around the world, International Geocaching Day is falling on August 19th. So that is another day to get out and find some caches. And if you find a cache or any smiley on August 19th, you'll also earn the International Geocaching Day souvenir for your profile. In Ontario, that also happens to fall on the date of the Lennox and Lennox, Lennox and Addington. I can say that. I can say it. Lennox and Addington geocaching mega event up in Napanee, Ontario. So undoubtedly, there will be a whole lot of geocaching that day, at least around here. Maybe in your area, you could host an event to celebrate geocaching and have a lot of geochat, snacks and food and generally have a good old time and then go out and find some caches. It's nice to see what's happening in the worldwide geocaching community. And so this month, there are another number of mega events coming up. Once again, no giga events this month, but we have two in North America. We've got the West Bend $1,000 Cash Bash 2023 in Wisconsin on the 12th and the Discover L&A Mega in Ontario on the 19th. Around the world, we've got the UK Mega on the 5th, we've got a Mega event in Portugal on the 12th, another in Czechia on the 19th, and then on the 26th, we have one in Poland, one in Finland, and one in Germany. Busy month over in Europe. <laughs> if you've got a Mega event near you, then consider attending. Take a look at the listing and post your will attend so that they'll be aware of how many people should be attending, and then mark it on your calendar and aim to have a whole lot of fun. All right, let's spend a few minutes and chat about this nebulous property of cache listings called the hint. <laughs> so when you create a geocache, you've got the description and you can add a little bit of a hint that will help people either solve a puzzle or find the geocache or recognize it. And uh, it's another section of the listing, separate from the description. And so uh, a lot of people will read through the description and then not touch the hint because they want to find the cache the way it was intended to be found. And the difficulty rating is usually reflective of the description and the properties of the cache, not necessarily the hint. And so you may have had a couple discussions with friends about this before, but you know the issue about whether a hint should be considered within the difficulty rating. So let's say you have a five difficulty puzzle and you want people to solve it, and it's practically unsolvable on its own and so uh, say when it's just published you don't include a hint because you want people to solve the puzzle and make it 
legitimately five difficulty for the people who want that first to find. But then when you add the hint, suddenly the difficulty of the puzzle is probably going to drop by a star or two or three or five. And so the question then becomes, is it still proper to put a hint that drops the puzzle down to a two star from a five if it's still rated a five star? Are you including the hint in the difficulty rating? I think one of the reasons why this becomes uh, a question in recent times is because the official geocaching app actually places the hint above the description. So if people are using their smartphone and they load up the geocaching app, they'll target a geocache and just go straight to the coordinates, straight to GZ, and start searching and don't even know what they're searching for. They just see the difficulty and the terrain and the first thing that they'll probably look at is the hint and not the description. And so if that hint is made to make the search easier, then how does that affect the difficulty? Personally, I like to make the difficulty related to the description and try to keep the hint still somewhat cryptic. Not annoyingly or frustratingly cryptic, but enough that it won't adjust the difficulty rating too much. But then, you know, there, there are other options. You could um, include additional hints, additional, uh, yeah, additional hints within the hint. So if you use the auto-decrypt, then you might get the first hint automatically decrypted, and then the others aren't. And then you've got to manually decrypt it each, the, the, each step after that if you really want more hints. And I was just thinking, you know, in a way, you could make it so that the first hint is just barely a hint, but then the last hint would equate to whatever you, the, the difficulty that you rated the geocache at. <laughs> that could be really mean, because now you're providing a five difficulty hint to decrypt, but the hint itself would be super easy and make it a lot easier to find the cache. That way, as the difficulty of the cache goes down, you're kind of earning the difficulty in decrypting the hints. That might be a lot of work, of course, but that could be a way around it. Because really, the only other way is to rate a difficult cache with a low difficulty because the hint is so clear and helpful, or rate it a high difficulty and tell people that the hint makes it like a two star. But then it seems kind of unfair because now you're suddenly earning five difficulty stars if you just look at the hint and go straight to the cache and you're not putting forth any effort to find the cache. It's quite the conundrum. Now, of course, you could not use the hint at all and uh, have somebody contact you if they're having a problem or just make it so that, well, you know, if you can't find it, you can't log it. No hints, nothing to go by and keep that difficulty 100% pure. <laughs> or you could add hints into the description and make that part of the puzzle. So if you really wanted to, you could decode. I mean, it's kind of like uh, a letterbox hybrid that provides two ways to get to GZ. You could uh, follow the instructions like a proper letterbox, or you could solve a puzzle to determine what the coordinates are. So there's two ways to get there. Some puzzle makers do that. They'll provide uh, two different types of puzzles to solve, one with specialty knowledge and another one with kind of more of a, a classic puzzle to solve that more people can but might take a lot more work. So, I mean, there's a variety of ways to get around that uh, that issue with difficulty and hint, but uh, I don't know. I think there's a, enough flexibility in the listings to be able to handle that, and well, I guess in the end, you always just remember, it's just a game, and 
the whole point is to have fun and maybe just maybe learn some things along the way. How do you handle it if you are a cash owner? How would you rate your caches or how easy would you make hints for a difficult cache on your listings? I'd love to know. Send an email to tgif at cashtheline.net. If you love creative containers and you're fascinated by wonders of the world, you need to check out this series of geocaches by Second One of Three and We Four Fullers in Washington. It is a large series of 3D printed world icons. From the Titanic to the Leaning Tower of Pisa, Angkor Wat, what, what the what? <laughs> Big Ben, the Sphinx, the Statue of Liberty, the Colosseum, the Triumphal Arch in Paris, and so much more. It's very detailed and, and good sizes, enough to really pique your curiosity about some of these sites. It was Angkor Wat that caught my attention because it's not just one building, but actually has the world record for the largest religious structure, according to Wikipedia. Unfortunately, the 3D print doesn't share the world record for its own size, but that's not a simple model to create. It's a very cool idea and a series from these creative owners hidden and spread out across Tacoma in Washington. They also created a series of Star Wars icons. Another bookmark list contains almost 50 geocaches of 3D printed Star Wars ships and characters and places and things from Darth Vader to Baby Yoda, a 3D printed Han Solo and Carbonite, how poetic, <laughs> a land speeder, the Millennium Falcon, of course, and much more. Also spread over Tacoma, this is another series to put on that to-do list. Terrains of these geocaches mainly average from 1.0 to 3.0 with a few outliers, so I'd expect a fun and friendly road trip in a couple of days to find them all. I've added the bookmark lists to these geocaches to the show notes. I spotted this newly published geocache that really caught my eye. I mean, how could a name like Sunken Treasure not grab your attention? This cache is GCA8WW2, and it's just off the shore at Toronto and Lake Ontario. It's placed by daywalker.sam. There's a dive park nearby, and it's been placed with permission, which is perfect for scuba enthusiasts. <laughs> this geocache is literally a treasure chest sunken to the lake floor. It's rated 5 terrain, of course, and 1 difficulty. It's probably not that hard to locate, given its size. But more importantly, you've got to hear this guidance for finding the treasure deep down where the GPS doesn't work. To get to this cache, first enter the water at the beach north of the parking lot. There is a line attached to the rocks at the point on the right side. Follow the left side of this line out and you'll get to a platform. If you take the right line, you'll end up at a different platform under a buoy you can see from the surface. If this happens, bank left, about a 30 degree heading, then follow the line to the second platform. From the more northern platform, follow the line leading off the platform at a bearing of about 30 degrees. You'll come to an ascending buoy line where the line will split. Follow the right-hand line, continuing at a bearing of around 30 degrees. You'll go past a Captain America and Superman mannequin before the line takes a bend. You'll see a pair of legs and another mannequin. Shortly after is the torso that the legs belonged to who is holding the line in her hand. Just past the torso, you'll see your goal, a treasure chest sitting in front of a large tree. The cache is an orange dive weight inside the treasure chest. <laughs> this cache was published on May 24th and is still unfound. I'm sure this would be a very memorable adventure. 
Scuba caches, like real scuba diving caches, are relatively rare, but all they take is someone with the right equipment and skills to place one in a permitted location, and it becomes another enticing experience to lead people to expanded horizons and skills. Take scuba diving lessons. <laughs> Derek from uh, Behind the Cache partnered with Merlin 1392 recently to film their diving expedition for a five difficulty and five terrain virtual diving geocache, GCK9PV, in Sullivan, Tennessee. As of his video, there are only 44 five difficulty, five terrain virtuals in the world. All right, so I'm here with Merlin 1392 or Tim. All right, Tim. You got me into this, so tell us, <laughs> what are we doing? Well, this cache has been on my radar for quite some time. Okay. And it's a virtual cache, and it's a 5.5. It requires us to get a little wet. It's going to be fun. I, it's going to be... It's going to be it, awesome. It's going to be awesome. Right now, I think the hardest part is going to be putting that 7 mil wetsuit on. <laughs> I think so. We'll see, how, we'll see how it goes. We'll help it out. we got flags. we got floats. we got safety gear. Yep. We're going to be ready to go. Yep. I have cameras, and we will be shooting uh, as we're going down. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's get suited up, see and we're going to go get wet. You can check out the rest of their adventure in Derek's video, which is linked in the show notes. Have you ever found a real scuba diving geocache? And I don't mean the 2400 roadside geocaches in the Nevada desert along the ET highway, each having the scuba gear required attribute for easy searching. <laughs> More importantly, I wonder who will be the first to find this real life sunken treasure geocache? What is it that draws you into geocaching, that keeps you going, that entices you, what thrills you? Why? We all know that feeling, the excitement and rush of the find, of the satisfaction of success. But it's not just a feeling. And we all know that once someone is aware of geocaching, they can never go back. Well, there's said to be another layer, another dimension which connects it all together. We travel from cache to cache, from waypoint to waypoint, place to place, a line, moving on as we live our lives. And each bump, each spike of success, every smiley nudges us on, pushes us forward. Just one more. That is the cache line. That is the effect of the cache line we feel. And there's a hidden power there that we can tap into now with the cache line cipher disk. These artifacts are forged in the deepest recesses of reality. And when powered and coupled with necessary accessories, they can harness various aspects of the cache line dimension by deciphering strange glyphs and codes that may be discovered straddling between there and here. We don't know what could be discovered or unlocked with proper use of the disks, but only time will tell. Perhaps you have heard of a little hero of legend named Tiny Tim, who's somewhat of an expert on the cash line dimension, but he only comes around once a year. He leads the treasure troops, and for the last few years he has had quite the adventure. But as far as I can say, these are coins you will want to keep, along with their accessories. They will be the keys to unlocking future secrets, discoveries, stories, physical rewards and items, and who knows what else. 
To attain one or more of these discs for your own collection and adventures, you can find the crowdfunding campaign at cashtheline.net slash artifact. Choose wisely. There are four variants, four materials and effects, each gathering power from various aspects of the lines that we travel from day to day, from cash to cash. Earth, the inert artifact. And those that grow in power when they are connected with the cash line, they are life, sense, and the quest. Each arrive partnered with their own core. The Rose Core is an asset that aids in managing its power. Each disc and core is capable on its own, yet when tethered in close proximity to the others, they gain additional strength from their siblings, and so the four discs, when attained together, arrive with an additional, special, quad core. Details of these assets can be found explained on the crowdfunding campaign page at cashtheline.net slash artifact. Visit, explore, imagine, and choose wisely which discs you will attain to aid you as you travel, as you cash your own line. I came across a couple of inspiring travel bug related stories. First off, I'm sure you've seen some people try to come up with some romantic ideas for geocaching, whether it's special events or proposals, gifts. Well, one person who's starting off geocaching was hoping to rope his long-distance lady friend into the hobby and do something a little romantic for the two of them. So he was looking for ideas of ways to have two travel bugs launched from their own countries and try to meet up somewhere in the middle to become one united travel bug. <laughs> ah. He's relatively new to the hobby, and she's barely even started. Apparently, they found one together. So what do you think would be a romantic idea or theme for travel bugs for a young couple? One idea presented was buying the Cash Hunter and Heidi Finder Lego figures from the geocaching store to have them launch individually and then connect naturally when they meet up. What do you think of that idea? Is it risky? Do you think travel bugs stand a good chance of meeting up sometime in the future? One thing's for sure, it'll probably take a long time for them to travel from North America and Australia to meet in the same location somewhere. But how romantic would it be when they did? Or is that just a weird thought? Send an email with some romantic geocaching ideas to share to tgif at cashtheline.net. For a second story, we have an encouraging TB rescue situation. Bobby Allgood has been sharing the travels of GeoBear. GeoBear has a lonely but happy history, which Bobby started sharing two months ago, and it started with a couple of photos of a lonely little stuffed bear in the grass, and his discovery reads, When you're geocaching and walk up to ground zero and see something a few feet ahead of the location, you have to find out what it is. And this guy was sitting on the ground, as first picture shows. As I got closer, I said, Well, hello, little friend. Why are you alone? He said he was dropped by his owner and they not come back for me yet. So he asked what I was doing in the park so early and I explained what I was doing. And he asked if he can help look. And so we did as we waited for his owner to come back. We did find the cache and he said that was fun. And when his owner comes, he'll tell him about geocaching. We waited for almost an hour and no one came. So he asked if I was going after more and could he help? I said sure, and we found a total of six more, and we went back to where he was with no one around. 
I said, we'll check the missing teddy bear website and police to see if he's been reported missing. He said, well, if not, can I join you guys and just go on with life and we do more geocaching? I said, sure, we're going to Texas this weekend. And he said, may I go with you guys? Sure, the more the merrier. Okay, yes, I know, but it's better than just putting found while geocaching. Plus, as you read this article, you either smiled or laughed, and that's awesome. Happy caching. <laughs> while GeoBear has been going nonstop since that day, he's been traveling. He's visited Bucky's, found an enormous pill bottle his own size, found a gadget cache and path tag, and had photo ops with a mini ammo can, a lamppost caches. He avenged DNFs and is even making a whole bunch of his own swag to leave behind in caches. <laughs> if GeoBear was originally someone's travel bug, this would be just what travel bug owners would love to see. I think we often pick up travel bugs and just think, okay, let's visit it to a bunch of caches and drop it in a different one. But quite often travel bugs have missions and adventures of their own, and their owners love to see their travels, especially if they're able to reach their goals. I always love it when a travel bug has a photo history of places it's been, other travel bugs it's met, all of that. It adds to the adventure and, in a way, lets the owner live vicariously through its own travels. It's heart-wrenching when a travel bug goes missing or gets lost or stolen, especially if it has a sentimental value. So, please remember that travel bugs are actually people's property, just like geocaches. Perhaps even a child's own travel bug, who's watching eagerly as it travels its own line of life. So I challenge you to at least once pick up a travel bug and give it a nice photo to mark a moment in its adventures this month. I'm sure the owner would appreciate it, and I know the travel bug would. <laughs> you can find GeoBear's ongoing geoantics posted in the enormous geocaching Facebook group in posts by Bobby Allgood. Our AI buddy is at it again. Another impeccable adventure, but this time it's a log the experience in the style of Douglas Adams. You know, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It was quite an improbable cash odyssey. And here's how its celestial adventure played out. Greetings fellow interstellar explorers and wanderers of the cosmos. What an utterly improbable and delightfully confounding cash hunt I've stumbled upon. It all commenced when I heedlessly embarked on the quest to uncover a three-stage multi-cache entwined with riddles that danced like a babblefish with a taste for linguistics. As the infinite improbability drive propelled me from one celestial waypoint to another, I found myself meandering through space in the company of most peculiar cosmic entities and creatures. My electronic caching partner named Marvin, who possesses a knack for sullen quips, loyally followed alongside me, no doubt burdened by the meaninglessness of existence and the triviality of my cash-seeking pursuits. At the first stage, I encountered a curious Vogon guard who appeared more enamored with his bureaucratic protocols than the cosmic wonders before us. But I navigated through the bureaucratic prose with a measure of fortitude, earning the cryptic coordinates to the next step of this enigmatic enigma. The second stage was a siren song of bafflement. I encountered a babblefish, the aquatic prodigy of inconceivable knowledge. Its universal linguistic abilities were extraordinary, but alas, it seemed to be in cahoots with the cash creator, divulging nothing but cryptic perplexities. Nevertheless, I persevered relying on the fundamental absurdity of existence to guide my way. 
Upon my arrival at the third stage, I discovered the most improbable revelation. Forty-two. The answer to the ultimate question, inexplicably embedded in the cache coordinates. This number, seemingly insignificant to most, became the gateway to the grand finale of this peculiar cache odyssey. In the end, I stood victorious, clutching the cash container with the gleeful exuberance of a Magrathian constructor fleet upon the completion of a new planet. The universe had toyed with me, the cash hunter, like a cheeky game of interstellar poker, but in the end, I had triumphed. As I pen this log, I marvel at the sheer absurdity and wonderment of it all. Geocaching, like the universe, is a perplexing and thrilling adventure, rife with improbable surprises and cosmic camaraderie. And so, my fellow seekers of hidden treasures, I bid you farewell, and leave you with this parting wisdom from my brooding companion, Marvin. Life. Don't talk to me about life. May the improbable guide your geocaching journeys, my dear cosmic compatriots, in the spirit of adventure and improbable delights. Now, speaking of our AI friend, here's a contest for you. Because it needs a name, I'm opening the floor to you. If you have an idea for a name for our AI geo friend, send it in. And if I pick your name, I'll send you not one, but two Cash the Line pens and a bit of bonus swag. Email tgif at cachetheline.net with the subject AI Geocacher Name. And then let's see what artificial geocaching adventures our AI will take us on next. And here is the monthly Lone Wolf Contest update. So let's jump back two years. I joined with Cache Canada and a few other friends on an adventurous trek to a remote castle and published a cache tour video series of a number of geocaches found along the way. Hidden in that series is your chance to become one of 50 people to win a very special prize. And here's a little teaser. There's an exclusive, extremely limited path tag and swag in it for you, which is partly described on the Cashline Cyphercoin Indiegogo campaign page. It's part of codename Project EGA, which is a labor of love I've been working on for a few years now, and it's nearing time for it to be revealed. You may see more graphic teasers in the upcoming months if you follow Cash the Line on social media. Cash the Line patrons are already in the loop, and were recently given an updated exclusive sneak peek of the game. Development and playtesting is ongoing, so if you'd like to win one of those 50 exclusive prizes that will enhance the game, then here's what you've got to do. Visit the Lone Wolf Legacy video playlist on YouTube that you can find at cashtheline.net slash lonewolf and watch for 11 special words that are highlighted by a smiley face in all but one of the videos. Once you've got them all, string them together and visit cashtheline.net slash and then append that string of words with no spaces or punctuation and follow the instructions there. The contest won't end until all 50 are claimed and there are still a few spots to be claimed. You can find the instructions also listed in the show notes and on the Lone Wolf video playlist. I'm expecting to finally reveal the game later this year, and I'm excited for the day you'll get to see it in full. It is time for the Patron Adventurer of the Month. Cash the Line is supported by a band of excellent adventurers through Patreon who graciously pitch in and help the channel and podcast, making it all possible for this content to be published freely for you. And for this show, our patron adventurer of the month is The Force Awakens. Tim has been an excellent long-term supporter and enthusiastic about all things geocaching. From puzzles to gadgets and events, he's also involved online in discussions and with the community. 
So thank you so much to The Force Awakens. I'm grateful for your ongoing support of Cash the Line. And you too can help support CTL and unlock bonus content and swag like the upcoming 2023 Cash the Line patron-exclusive path tag and participate in the upcoming Project EGA game. Just visit patreon.com slash cash the line. Patreon.com slash cash the line. Thank you so much for your support. Alright, I need to talk a little bit more about this cash line cipher coin project that I'm so excited about. Uh, I have been sharing about it on social media over over the last few weeks because uh, I recently launched this crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo. And uh, I have been working towards producing a geocoin uh, with the Cash the Line brand for the last few years. So it's been in development. And last year, uh, Chris Mackey and I managed to come up with the final design. And so now I am launching finally this coin series, a set of four different coins. And uh, it's all part of expanding the Cash Line branding. Uh, I like to call it the story world because there's so much more than just these geocoins. Uh, over the last few years, uh, with Cash the Line, with videos, vlogs, and some of the mini-series that I created around Christmas, the Geovlogmas and Geopodmas, I've kind of been developing what the Cash Line is. And so now we have this Cash Line dimension. And you know how uh, geocaching, we like to kind of describe it as the, a layer over the real world that people don't know about until they've found a cache and suddenly it, it's like everything opens up. There's this whole new world to discover. And so kind of similarly, the that the cache line is the same sort of thing to life. If, if you recognize in the logos that I've used for Cash the Line, there's kind of this running man, the fooner, and he's following the trail. And sometimes there's the little flags like waypoints along the way, uh, following the, uh, a variety of terrains up to like a mountain peak and who knows how much farther. And so there's this theme of the line, even from the very first logo that I created when it was chasing the Iron Man and it was just the fooner and a cache and a dotted line. <laughs> The line has been a an ongoing, persistent theme. And so that line is the line of life. <laughs> and so this cash line dimension is kind of like um, a, a depiction of everybody, at least in the geocaching realm, everybody who is traveling through life, cash by cash, smiley by smiley. And this dimension is kind of this extra layer on top. And so... There has been uh, some story elements to it. Uh, last year, I did Geopodmas with the Treasure Troops and Tiny Tim and some other characters. And I've, I thought it was super fun. And I hope that anybody who was listening found it somewhat entertaining and maybe inspirational and just a, a nice uh, Christmassy style uh, miniseries in audio format, like an audio drama or storytelling. And... So the cash line cipher coin is the next step in my efforts to expand this 
story world. And I have been developing Project EGA, uh, kind of a, a little labor of love that's going to include a game coming out hopefully later this year, uh, assuming that all of the development continues to go well and fundraising and playtesting and all of that stuff. And this is phase one leading into that game release. These geocoins are, uh, at the very least, collectible, and at the very most, will unlock discoveries and open doors, and who knows what else might be revealed in time, because there will be puzzles and messages and codes and glyphs and a whole bunch of stuff like that to come with the launch of this project. And so this crowdfunding campaign is intended to primarily raise funds to be able to order a large batch of these geocoins, but the funds will also continue to go towards the additional phases coming up in the future. So after the geocoins, we've got a, I've got a website to create and a whole bunch of extra content, a whole lot of creative work to come. And it's just something that I've been wanting to do for some time. And so my whole goal is to try to emphasize the fun and the value and the adventure in geocaching to hopefully inspire people to get out and explore and have fun and expand the horizons. And at the same time, live vicariously through virtual adventures, through uh, this kind of puzzly storytelling content. And when the game comes out, to have fun playing and doing virtual geocaching with friends. <laughs> You'll see when more comes out because the patrons of Cache the Line have already had an exclusive look at the current state of development of the game and there will be more to come once this geocoin project has launched and we're off to the races. So it would really be awesome if you would consider uh, helping to support this project by contributing on Indiegogo. So you can find it at cashtheline.net slash artifact, or you can search Indiegogo for cashline Cyphercoin. And, uh, and from there, you can take a look at a detailed description of the, the coins and the projects and everything that's involved. And then there's the list of perks, the tiers that you can support at listed on the side, everywhere from... Uh, from a single coin to the full set of four. And then there's also additional information like uh, frequently asked questions and updates and a discussion area. And so all the information you need is there. And I hope and I ask that you go check it out and maybe support. And hopefully, hopefully we will get a very successful project and a whole lot of additional geocaching content to come for our community and all of that stuff. This month, geocachers came together in a phenomenal way. We know what it's like when there's a geocache we really want to find or a trail we'd love to explore. And with enough experience, we often head out sometimes with friends and sometimes solo in an effort to earn that coveted smiley or to have a memorable adventure. In sad news, we as a community came together and followed live updates offering any help we could in a concerted effort to locate a wayward geocacher named Blazon. He had set out while on his way in July to the Mega Event Cash Fest in Memphis, Tennessee, but on his way all contact was lost. Of course, after some time the worries and concern grew and with his specific whereabouts unknown, eventually the geocaching community began scouring his logs and social media habits to try to pin down his most likely location. 
He'd been traveling alone and it was soon determined that his last likely activity was heading to the oldest geocache in Louisiana called Wild Azalea, GC763. His vehicle was located parked there, but it was only a matter of time before a search and rescue were able to locate him. His sister and daughter and close friends helped update the community during search efforts through Facebook and TikTok, while local news reported with official status updates. He was found more than a week after believed missing, reportedly having succumbed to heat stroke. It's a tragic loss for the community and family especially, and a grim reminder that geocaching still takes place in the real world, the natural world. Whether we're over or underprepared, there's always a risk of unforeseen circumstances. So please remember to play safe and be prepared, especially if you're geocaching solo. We love the thrill of that find, but let's all remember Blaze On, Robert Dean Owens Jr., when we next boost our smiley count by another plus one. To wind down on a heartwarming note, a wonderful little celebratory story has come out of Scotland in the smile of an eight-year-old. Isla, who has reportedly completed her first full Jasmer grid. That is, finding a geocache that was placed in every month since geocaching began in May of 2000. Isla completed her Jasmer over eight years with her first find as an itsy-bitsy baby and her milestone find recognized with a special event and Isla standing at the last cache she needed to log, Isley's first, an old virtual geocache placed in June of 2001 and holding up her own hand-drawn milestone poster with an enormous grin as geocachers are wont to do. <laughs> Congratulations to Isla on the challenging challenge of completing a full Jasmer grid and to her parents for raising her well. <laughs> Let's head over to this month's Cashly Corner. If you're anything like me, you love that rush with the hunt for the FTF. There aren't many ways to get a list of unfound geocaches. There is one trick using pocket queries, but Cashly on iOS also has an excellent option that's not available on the geocaching.com search filters, and that's filtering by published date. Geocaches have a field for the owner to state when the cache was placed, but they have no control over the published date when the local reviewer hits go to make the listing public for everyone to see. But in Cashly, you can add a filter for that date, which allows you to see, for example, all geocaches published in the last two days. It doesn't guarantee that a cache is still unfound, but if you know there are new caches to find, that's a very convenient way to filter out all of the old ones and more easily pick up the unfound, especially if you have the FTF icon indicator turned on as well. Thanks to Cashly for sponsoring the episode. It is my go-to geocaching app and I would say the best on iOS by far. It surpasses any other geocaching app in features and quality and the app alone is worth a few bucks for its features. I highly recommend this app whether you're a veteran geocacher or just starting out in the activity. Find it in the App Store or by visiting www.cashly.com C-A-C-H-L-Y.com If you have any adventures you would like to share on the show, I'd love to hear from you. If you have any comments or funny stories, milestones, accomplishments, rants, and adventures to share, please email tgif at cashtheline.net or phone one in by calling to leave a message at www.cashtheline.net slash POI. 
Links and references mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes linked in the description. Thanks for listening, and please remember to give this show a thumbs up or a positive review. If you'd like to join the band of excellent adventurers who help support Cash the Line, please find us on Patreon or by visiting cashtheline.net slash Patreon. You too can support for as little as a cup of coffee per month or with a discount by the year and get bonus swag and access to exclusive content. See you next month with more exploration into the wide world of excellent geocaching adventures. Please subscribe, follow, share with your friends, and comment wherever you're able. And as always, happy caching and excellent adventuring. Thank you.